The entire world got to watch Jodie Whittaker's debut as the Doctor simultaneously. More or less. Okay, we were interrupted by Kia commercials. But wow, what an entrance. No other news, nothing else to talk about. We can't wait to dive into The Woman Who Fell to Earth. On This Week in Time Travel for October 7th. Holy cow. Oh my god, I have been waiting so long for this, and it finally happened, and it was brilliant! It was. Hi, I'm Chip Sutter. I'm Alyssa Frankie. Welcome to This Week in Time Travel, which this week there is nothing else to talk about. Uh, We finally got our debut, and... I'm just grateful to the BBC, to Chris Chibnall, to Jodie Whittaker, to everybody involved. The build-up to this was wonderful, and we got, in the end, I think coming in knowing so little about this season of Doctor Who just made it all the more special. This was an event in every sense of the word. It was. It was so different and fun and surprising, and just... Oh, just about everything that I needed it to be at this moment. We will have some criticisms of this episode as we go along. We are going to gush, but we're also going to be thoughtful about it, or at least we're going to try to be. But one thing right out of the gate, I will be really fascinated to come back to this episode in a couple of years, because this episode of Doctor Who felt so important and so appropriate to the moment that we're living in right now. So perfectly pitched for this moment. I wonder how we're going to look at this episode in the future. Is it going to be as lauded a first episode for a new doctor as, say, The Eleventh Hour or Robot or something like that? You know, this just feels so now. It does. But I think... It really sets a fun new tone going forward. We have a fantastic new doctor who's arriving on the scene in an absolute burst of energy and joy. And, you know, this is one of those unstable episodes. You really don't get an idea of who the doctor is going to be really until the end of their first season. I think we could fairly argue. We get glimpses of it. We get an idea of what they might be like, about how they take those classic doctorish moments and spin it into something new and very unique to them. And that's that's really what we got. You know, everything Jody said is something that could have very easily been said by any doctor before, but it was her delivery. It was her unique take on it that made it something fun and special and delightful this time around. And it was just absolutely incredible to see her begin to inhabit this role. Yeah, although, honestly, I felt like she had it from, like, the very first moment. When she falls out of the sky into the train and takes charge against the alien octopus slash hairball from outer space, (laughs) she's in charge. She is fully the doctor in that moment. She just doesn't know it yet. But what you said about everything that she says could be from another doctor, just it's her own spin on it. When the gang realizes that they've been implanted with DNA bombs and everybody's at risk, Jodie Whittaker delivers some lines that could very well have been delivered by the 10th doctor in terms of, I'm sorry, I'm so, so sorry. But the way that she sort of inhabits 
the responsibility and a sense of guilt for involving these humans in her troubles. That felt new. I don't know, because that that did feel very doctorish to me of, you know, it wasn't so much that she involved them. It's just she showed up at this space at this moment, but still feels sorry for them. And we've seen other doctors do that plenty of just, you know, the 10th doctor, the famous apologist. Right. You know, they they feel bad that these humans get swept up in events beyond their understanding, um, beyond anywhere that they ever could have expected it. Um, Am I over comparing her to the immediate previous doctor who was a little more calculating? Even the 12th doctor apologized occasionally. He sometimes had to have cue cards for it. (laughs) But this still feels quintessentially doctorish to me that she has arrived, there's a disaster, and there are these hapless humans who get swept up in it. You know, I think what really struck me about the sort of team that she ended up with is that she had some people who were questioning, some people who immediately wanted to dive into it, and then poor Carl, who ended up being the sort of central figure of this entire episode, but really wanted nothing to do with it. You know, he's just, as soon as it's discussed of, we need to figure out what the big questions are here, he's just like, nope. I'm out. I'm going to go walk to work. I'm going to pretend that nothing happened on my way over here. And I'm just going to listen to my affirmation music and completely ignore that there might be something bigger going on here. And, you know, that's that's sort of what defies the doctor's potential companions from those who can't handle it. It's, right. Do you decide to ask those bigger questions or you decide to put your head down and carry on with your day? Oh, so where to begin? Where to begin? Uh, Shall we start with the characters? Let's do it. So, again, we had names, but we didn't even know going into this thing that Ryan is Graham's grandson. We didn't know anything about the relationships between these characters. And we knew about this from some of the pre-premiere publicity, but... If you weren't really looking for it, you wouldn't have known that right out of the gate, Ryan is revealed as somebody who also has dyspraxia. So much that we learned about these characters for the first time in this episode because the BBC kept it so close. They really did. But it was kind of nice to go in and discover what these relationships were going to be like, how they knew each other, how they understood each other, where the tension was between them. I kind of suspected that there might be a familial relationship between Graham and Ryan, just speculating wildly based off character descriptions that we'd already had. But it was interesting to see that it wasn't just, you know, a grandfather relationship. It was a relatively new step-grandfather relationship and possibly even an almost parental one because it sounds like I'm so I'm doing some math here and I might have my number slightly off. So, you know, y'all can correct me on Twitter later. But Ryan said he was 19. His mom died six years ago. So he would have been 13. His dad doesn't sound like he was around or responsible for him much. So sounds like maybe his grandma's been raising him since he was 13. And then Grace and Graham got married three years ago yep. when he would have been 16. So 
there's a kind of not just even grandfatherish, but maybe a little bit of a father relationship going on there, but one with a lot of tension in it that, you know, Graham is trying to sort of be hip with the kids, which the kids do not want anything to do with. He can also be kind of critical and biting. You know, there was that really sort of devastating moment where Graham lights into Ryan saying, are you going to blame this on your dyspraxia too? Which was pretty awful and devastating. Yeah. You know, that's a type of relationship where it sounds like Ryan may not be totally into having this guy be his father or grandfather because he's not accepting of his limits and his boundaries and pushes him too hard, not just like graces of you got to keep practicing and you're going to get this, but you can't blame this on what is actually a very legitimate limit on his ability to learn things as quickly as everybody else. So there's a lot of tension in these relationships. And then Yaz, of course, coming in, trying very hard to be an authority figure here, but having a somewhat familiar relationship with these characters that are just coming in, but totally befuddled by the doctor and no idea what to make of her whatsoever. Yeah. In the end, I think all three of these new friends who find themselves floating in airless space at the end of the episode, spoiler, (laughs) they've all got a desire to do more. And Yaz expresses this explicitly right from the beginning. You know, she's tired of being a probationary officer. She wants to be just moving forward full blast. Mm -hmm. I would like to think that that's a character arc that's going to affect all of them uh, as we go through the remaining nine episodes plus special of the season. Yeah, I think she's the character who didn't really quite get the focus this time around. She got very, very good moments, but it feels like there's an arc being set up for her of she's someone ambitious, driven, looking for something new and fascinating and interesting, but also very driven to do the right thing. You know, she's not ambitious in a, I want to climb the corporate ladder, make as much money as possible kind of thing. She wants to be handling bigger problems, bigger disputes than parking violations and angry neighbors. She wants to really be doing something for other people, which could be a fascinating combination with the doctor because the doctor doesn't usually react well to authority figures and was pretty pointed in getting Yaz to back off a little bit on trying to involve the police because the doctor lives, you know, kind of outside the boundaries of really any authority because she can't explain what everyone's just seen on CCTV. She has no interest in paperwork and she wants to be the one in charge. She doesn't want to take directions from anybody else. And it's going to be fascinating to see how she and Yaz sort of get along because I think we're going to have two people butting heads who both want to be the leader. So with all of these characters, uh, I thought that this episode really benefited from the slightly longer running time that they have than previous series have. There are going to be 10 60-minute episodes, and this is a crowded TARDIS situation, even though we don't have a TARDIS yet. I agree with you. Yaz was a little underdeveloped in this episode, but, you know, lots of characters. Give them time. But I thought that most of them were served really well. I think so. I think the one exception to this, unfortunately, is Grace. Um, Yeah, let's talk about Grace. Oh, my gosh. I mean, 
I loved her. I, I literally tweeted probably about 30 seconds before she died, protect Grace at all costs. And that didn't happen. So a uh, little bit of a letdown there. But she's, I think, one of the most fascinating characters. And she quite literally grounds the episode. She is who Ryan is talking about leading up to in the beginning with his YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, and then when he's closing out that video at the end and trying again on the bike, he's talking about Grace and what she means to him. And it's the funeral at the end that really sort of kind of sets the tone for ending that storyline. You know, we have the doctor getting her clothes. We have the doctor accidentally transporting them all into space, which will lead us into the next episode. But that feels almost more like an epilogue to sort of what the main brunt of the story is. And that all anchors in on Grace, on her driving her various family members to keep supporting the doctor. She's the one, you know, she's a nurse physically taking care of the doctor and making sure that she's okay during her regeneration. She's the one who wants to keep stepping up into the danger. You know, Graham is more than willing to step back and say, you know, the doctor told me to get out of here. It looks kind of dangerous. I'm done with this. I want to get out. Grace is the one who shows the initiative, who sees something new developing that the doctor didn't know about and devises the plan to be able to take down the, I don't know, squirmy blob thing and save Ryan and Yaz. And it was really disappointing that she died as a result of that. You know, it's... I, I had expected her to stay around for a little while because she was advertised as being a returning character. Returning can mean a lot of things. Uh, it could mean that she was playing someone from Doctor Who's past. It could mean that she was going to be returning for several different episodes. So there's some suspicion possible about, is she really gone? Is this really a final death? Or when they say returning, do they mean she's going to show up in flashbacks or episodes where they travel through Ryan and Graham's past to see Grace again at an earlier time. But it was really disappointing that we had to the end the episode by killing Grace rather terribly. I was following conversations on Twitter and you could just immediately see the moment that she died because I was suddenly, my timeline was inundated with black Doctor Who nerds just absolutely devastated by this. You know, we just got out of season 10 where, you know, we end with Bill dying and getting a second life, yes, but dying kind of rather horrifically and painfully. And we've got another story again with another black woman getting killed. And to move Graham's character forward. It's it is it's it is a kind of classic fridging here. You've got a woman character getting killed, not just for moving Graham's character forward, but moving Ryan's character forward. You know, the whole scene, he goes back up to the hill and he's going to keep trying to ride that bike again. He's going to keep trying to push forward in his life because that's what his nan inspired him to do. And Grace was so amazing and incredible on her own. Why couldn't we have kept her and let her be that fantastic other companion to this series. She's the one who's suited for it. She's the one who wants to do it. 
Yeah, as we were watching, uh, Shannon and I, uh, my wife, watched it together. Uh, if you listened to the last episode, you know that that's actually kind of a big deal for me. Check out Twit episode 69 if you have any questions about that. But several of those moments between Graham and Grace, some of those meaningful scenes throughout the episode, my wife would just look at me with a grimace. She knew what was coming, and I didn't want to believe it. Mm. and Mm. it that is kind of how it played out so if i have a serious criticism of this episode it's that ultimately it wasn't necessary except to move forward graham and ryan's characters and it did not serve people of color well i mean i don't want to be quite that general because we did get ryan and we did get yaz And those are going to be important continuing characters. I think we really need to talk specifically about it didn't serve black women well, you know, that we had this incredible character who we thought could be a continuing character of some sort through the series that could be a positive influence on their lives that is going to be someone who was really kind of suited for being in the doctor's world and I don't know how the rest of the season is going to go. I don't want to speculate too much about things. But even if you couldn't get the actress or didn't want to have the actress continue through every single episode of the season, wouldn't have been easy enough to say she's got a shift at the hospital. Therefore, everybody else is the one that's with the doctor and let that, you know, driving motivation to get home be they've left Grace behind that they need to get back for her. I don't know. It's just... I could see the devastation for black women fans on Twitter and see their conversations about it. You know, I could see there's going to be a lot of conversation about it moving forward. And so let's revisit this next episode when some of them have had time to put pen to paper and blogs online and podcasts up so that we can uplift what they're saying, what they're talking about and put in their words. But I think that was the one and only letdown of this story that Grace got killed. For sure. And that's a very good point about making sure that their voices are the ones that lead in this conversation. So we're flagging it, but we'll amplify other voices next time. Mm -hmm. Definitely. We have been running a series called Problematic Faves about things that you love, having some things that concern them. So here's a criticism that we have of this episode, but there is still so much to adore about this episode and about this new doctor. Absolutely. I mean, Jodie Whittaker absolutely knocked this performance out of the park. It was through her post-regeneration sickness, through her triumphant moments, through the silly, ridiculous moments where she is piecing together bits of her life has been just absolutely incredible to watch her build and inhabit this role fully and make it her own. I think the moment that really struck me. And it's so silly and not the one they want to strike you with, but that moment on the rooftop where the alien is saying, you're interfering in things you don't understand. And she goes, yeah, well, we all need a hobby. Like, that's it. That's the show. That's the doctor. Yep. Right there in a nutshell. Uh, And it was utterly, utterly delightful to watch her come in and just immediately latch on to the nearest humans and make them her best friends. It was incredible to watch her put together this ridiculous bonkers outfit. And I can't wait to see what more secrets that outfit has to reveal. 
But I think what was really amazing was watching her sit down and build her own sonic screwdriver with bits of crystal and melted down spoons and fire extinguishers. Like, that's the crazy scene that kids are going to be playing and replaying on the playgrounds for weeks to come of you find everything randomly in your house. What are you putting together to make a sonic screwdriver? How are you going to make those spoons into something amazing? My favorite bit was, again, it's just a tossed off line, but it is such a carefully considered tossed off line is this new nose is so reliable when she's <laughs> trying to establish how much time she's got before she's going to pass out from uh, regeneration sickness and that's just hilarious also a very nice moment to sort of reinforce to ryan and yaz that nope they're not crazy she's not crazy she is an alien there are little bitty callbacks here and there to previous modern doctors, the spoon, the breath with the bit of regeneration and energy coming out, you know, very subtle, not distracting. It's little Easter eggs to remind longtime fans that this is part of the thing. But this is still a story that is designed to introduce people to a brand new show. It is. You know, there were two lines from the show that really struck me. Um, the first, and this is a little paraphrased, there's echoes of who I was and a call toward who I am. You know, you see little repeat moments of behavior, some things that are just so quintessentially doctorish that remind you of past doctors. Mm -hmm. And this, this doctor reflects them because she is all of them. But there's a call towards something more quintessential, more essential to who the doctor is as an individual. And that's what she's striving towards to remember who she is and figure out who this version of her will be. And then there's that line, we could honor who we've been and choose who we want to be next, which is so perfect yes. for this moment in Doctor Who, because this is what it is about. She's new and she's different and that wasn't really kind of the point of this story. It was about saying, these are all the people I've been and let's honor them and celebrate them. But we choose to move forward. We choose to find something new and different for this role. And that was kind of brilliant and amazing. And she gave the, oh, what was his name? He sounded like, he sounded like a Jeff or a Chad, the villain, the... Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw. You know, he sounds like he sounds like a a, a fan that you don't like on the Doctor Who forums. You know, Tim Shaw. <laughs> um, she gives Tim Shaw a chance to change, which is something that all the doctors before have had their times, giving him the option to choose another path, and he doesn't, and that's what makes him a villain. I choose to win. I am so tired of people who choose nothing but to win. I've had my fill of that in the last few weeks. And she has the moral authority because she chooses better. And then when Tim Shaw is at the point of defeat and he has absorbed the DNA bombs and he's got to leave or he's going to be destroyed, his hapless victim does something that is somewhat understandable and on any other show would be celebrated and kicks him off of the crane. 
the doctor looks at him and says, you had no right to do that. Yeah. That it, that was peak doctor for me. He was already defeated. We did not need to destroy him. We did not need to take it upon ourselves. She made her point that everything that happened to him was of his own doing, that it was the consequences of his actions um, and his individual choices. Uh, and to go out and do something more to a try to kill him, to take that upon ourselves to do was wrong. We didn't need to f- do that. He had already done it to himself. It was really quite a striking moment, and you're right, something that definitely would have been celebrated on other shows, but not this one. Not this one. And it's the follow-up to his decision to sort of get out of the train and not be part of trying to hunt down the alien. He's unsuited to be a companion, A, because he doesn't have that curiosity and drive to act, and two, he operates based on revenge. Yeah, exactly. Not someone who's suited to traveling with the doctor. Yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit about the structure of the episode. I was surprised at how many genres of Doctor Who we got stuffed into a single episode, because as we find out more about the aliens and the threat, the focus shifts a little bit. It starts out looking kind of Lovecraftian. You have the tentacly space hairball thing. We also have the space tandoor that lands in the middle of the forest. It's kind of Lovecraft light. And then... You've got like a mystery collusion because there's a man involved who has taken the travel pod and he knows what's going on and has an agenda. Then we have a tactical invasion and then we have an armor suited bad guy. And, you know, the armor suit looks a little cheap compared to all of the other hard to visualize tentacly stuff and all that stuff. But that's a that's a proper classic Doctor Who villain, an armored suited dude mysteries as the doctor and her friends try to figure out what's going on and they recalibrate every step of the way and finally you know an alien hunt kind of thing it's like five or six different types of doctor who story that it could be all piled into one the only thing that's missing is historical yeah but judging on the coming soon trailer uh we're gonna jump into the historicals pretty dang soon here but it was really uh kind of incredible that it had so many different elements in it and so many different tones that all came together because there's horror, there's mystery, and there's also levity and comedy and grief and some of the most heartfelt moments of Doctor Who. You know, it's kind of rare that the Doctor sticks around for a funeral and Maybe she wouldn't have if she had her TARDIS. But there's also maybe a sense that the doctor does choose to stay because she waits a little while before she goes and seeks out the TARDIS. She wants to make sure that these people whose lives she literally fell into and who nonetheless went out of their way to take care of her and to help her are okay afterwards. And there's something kind of wonderful about this because as we're getting to the end and there's still no TARDIS, I was wondering if we were going to get a little Pertwee-ish here. Were we going to have her 
on Earth while there's no TARDIS around, or at least no working TARDIS. And are we going to have to see her build a life on Earth again? And it's a little different. It looks like we're going to get a sort of adventure without the TARDIS, that they're going to be bouncing around the universe for a little bit till they find it. But, you know, this is not a very Pertwee-ish end to the story, that she sticks around, that she goes to the funeral, that she first makes sure everyone she's involved with is okay and that the threat really has passed before she tries to make her way forward. So it's kind of nice that the doctor is a little more grounded on earth and wants to stick around a little bit longer. It's not lost on me that the villain of this piece is a leader who cheats and a trophy hunter. This is everything that I'm frustrated about in the world and the doctor standing up against it. You know, we need this hero right now. She is the hero for the moment. We need to have that anger, that passion, that sense of righteous justice with her and let her be sort of leading the charge on that. Um, and also have a hero that remembers what we're fighting for, that it's the excitement and the joy of finding new things that keeps us moving forward. So it's been a rough couple of weeks and uh, I really needed this. I really need to see uh, Jodie Whittaker as the doctor. Same here. Just after the episode came off of BBC America, I uh, found myself immediately in a back and forth uh, with a couple of Doctor Who watchers, not sure that I'd say fans, who uh, said that the episode was just full of social justice signaling and things like that. And I've got no patience for that right now. Mm. You know, I'm just in my own little happy bubble of Doctor Who goodness at the moment. I think I'm just going to stay right in that bubble. And so am I. This is everything that I hoped, with the exception of what happened to Grace. Everything else was exactly what I was hoping for, and to a certain extent expecting, out of Jodie Whittaker's debut. I am thrilled to see what's coming up next. How about you? I... Cannot wait to see what they've got coming up for us. This Week in Time Travel is part of the Incomparable Network, where you can find podcasts about everything from the books of Mary Robinette Cole to reviews of pop culture past and present, such as The Good Place, Winona Earp, and the U.S. version of The Office, to live role-playing games, musical theater, and more. Check us out at theincomparable.com. You can find this podcast specifically at thisweekintimetravel.com. We're on Twitter at DRWhoThisWeek. Chip is on Twitter at numeral2minutetimelord. And I'm on Twitter and Tumblr at Feminism. You can find us on Facebook, too. Thanks to Christopher Breen for our original theme music, to David J. Lohr for our podcast logo and artwork. Please review us on Apple Podcasts. Consider becoming a supporting member of the Incomparable Network. And tell all your friends about us. Until next week when we have yet another... I can't believe it. They're going to give us another episode of Doctor Who in a week. Woo! It's the good place. Next time on This Week in Time Travel. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.